Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. From Trojans Wire, part of the College Wire Network at USA Today, this is the Trojans Wired Podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Zemick and Ian Hext. Welcome to the latest edition of Trojans Wired, the podcast, which is an in-house production of the website Trojans Wire, part of the College Wire Network. You can find us on Google and Apple and Spotify and the other places where you listen to your favorite podcasts. So it finally happened. Caleb Williams from the University of Oklahoma. USC fans had been waiting for this. The USC football Twitter account had been tweeting about it all through the week. Every new fight on emoji. Was this the one? Was this the one? Yep. It finally has happened. Caleb Williams will become a USC Trojan, finally made his decision in the transfer portal. There were some Georgia rumors. There were some Texas A&M rumors. And there were a lot of LSU rumors. But no, Caleb Williams, instead of going to the SEC, instead of going elsewhere, yes, he will come to USC, rejoining, following Lincoln Riley to play for him or the Trojans in 2022. So. It brings to the to the end uh, this odyssey, which began, you know, pretty much when Lincoln Riley was hired by USC on Thanksgiving weekend, on the Sunday of that weekend, at the end of November. And in the first few weeks after Lincoln Riley got hired, we all wondered, would Caleb Williams come to USC? And at the at the very beginning of this process, in the first few weeks of December, it didn't really seem like it. Caleb Williams was seen at Oklahoma basketball games, cheering on the Sooners. He appeared on an, an OU-themed podcast, which was hosted by two of his Oklahoma teammates. And most of all, he then played in the Alamo Bowl against Oregon, played really well, played for Bob Stoops, who was the interim head coach and kind of the caretaker of the Oklahoma program for a few weeks. Uh, while uh, the school hired uh, Brent Venables and got him situated. Uh, Caleb Williams did various things, which, you know, in a normal world uh, and from a logical perspective, suggested that he was going to stay at the University of Oklahoma. But no, uh, we we have had a year of plot twists in college football. Lincoln Riley to USC being one of the biggest plot twists of all. We've also had Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame on top of the mountain. Notre Dame very nearly made the college football playoff this past season. And yet Brian Kelly, with all, despite all that success at Notre Dame, leaves for LSU. Totally unheard of occurrences. So with all of this in mind, 
We have another plot twist of Caleb Williams attending OU basketball games and playing in the Alamo Bowl, but then still transferring to USC. It's really rather remarkable. And it just shows that, you know, no matter what uh, a few events or a few decisions might seem to indicate, we who cover college sports, who cover college football, we're living in a new world with the transfer portal, with coaches being uh, dissatisfied with their current situations, with Oklahoma and Texas moving to the SEC. We just see a lot of volatility in the college sports landscape, and that's leading to the kinds of decisions which, you know, even 10 years ago would have seemed unthinkable. But no, there's a, it's a newly volatile world. And that's part of what has delivered Caleb Williams to USC. He obviously wouldn't be here uh, in Los Angeles if Lincoln Riley, of course, hadn't made the move uh, to join the Trojans in the first place. So producer Ian Hest, I mean, it, it, you know, it, it's a lot to take in. And I know that, you know, we expected this to happen in recent weeks, but that opening monologue for me was meant to just underscore the point that while Caleb Williams seemed to be a done deal, especially when Jackson Dart decided to transfer, like we all assumed, okay, this is happening. So from that standpoint, it's expected. But back in early December, this was up in the air. And it just shows how quickly things do change in this modern landscape of college sports. So I wanted to talk to you about that. And I actually kind of wanted to come at it as like, like an interviewer interviewing you, if you don't mind. Uh, and, and, my, and if I were to do that, my first question would be, do you think Caleb Williams is an upgrade from Jackson Dart? Clearly. And, and this is not a negative commentary on Jackson Dart. Uh, I think Jackson Dart is immensely skilled and has a lot of upside. But the main thing to consider uh, from a USC point of view, and in terms of what USC is looking at with its quarterback room in 2022, this, this simple point has to be made. In terms of whether Caleb Williams or Jackson Dart is the best option for USC at quarterback in 2022, you have the simple reality that Caleb Williams knows Lincoln Riley's system and Jackson Dart doesn't. So like even, even if we were to, uh, to say for, this, for the sake of argument, that Jackson Dart actually might be slightly better and more talented than Caleb Williams. Again, he's, he is impressively t- skilled. Uh, he, he, you know, he can certainly ripen into an elite, top-tier college quarterback. I don't think anyone at USC or anywhere else in the country who's pursuing him, maybe Ole Miss, maybe Oklahoma, which he has visited, I don't think anyone doubts Jackson Dart's upside. But the simple fact that you have Lincoln Riley coaching Caleb Williams, they're on the same page. They already know uh, what the other wants. Uh, They already know this system together. Jackson Dart would have had to learn Lincoln Riley's system from the ground up. So that point alone makes Caleb Williams a significant upgrade. Now, if if you were to have given me a scenario, Ian, in which Graham Harrell somehow stayed at USC as offensive coordinator under head coach Luke Fickle or head coach James Franklin. If you were to have given me that scenario, then I wouldn't be so sure that Caleb Williams was an upgrade. I would probably still be inclined to say that Caleb Williams does have more talent 
I think Caleb Williams has more open field speed. Like I think he can just he can race for touchdowns in a way that uh, Jackson Dart I don't think is quite as capable of. Though he's obviously a very gifted runner, uh, we've seen him make plays with his legs. I would still say that Caleb Williams is more talented. But if we lived in a hypothetical world where Graham Harrell was still Jackson Dart's offensive coordinator under a new USC head coach, then the value of having Dart stay uh, would be substantial. But because you have Lincoln Riley now at USC, having him to coach Caleb Williams in year two of their partnership together as, as coach and quarterback, that, that is really what makes Caleb Williams an upgrade over Jackson Dart. It's less about Dart himself, more about the larger arrangement USC has. So that sort of answered my second question. So I'll move on to the third and, and ask, what's the exit strategy from both gentlemen? What is the exit strategy and the feeling that uh, and the sentiment, I guess, of USC fans on Jackson Dart leaving? And what is the sentiment on Oklahoma fans on, uh, on Caleb Williams coming in and, and leaving their program? Well, I think that after, you know, we're now at a point where it's been pretty much two months since Lincoln Riley was hired by USC. And of course, as one could readily imagine, the emotions in Norman, Oklahoma were very intense, very bitter. You know, the, the word betrayal was a, a common theme in terms of the Oklahoma reaction to Lincoln Riley leaving. But of course, Brent Venables finally got hired as head coach in December. Bob Stoops was, you know, was in charge of the team for the Alamo Bowl against Oregon. Uh, you had the highly symbolic feel-good moment of Bob Stoops giving Brent Venables his visor. Like that was like a, a, a passing of the torch. It was a passing of the baton in terms of leadership at Oklahoma. And it's pretty clear that Brent Venables, you know, let's let's deal with him just for a second to kind of flesh out the answer to this, Ian. Uh, Brent Venables could have had the Kansas State job a few years ago. Uh, you know, he worked under Bill Snyder. Could have had that job a few years ago if he really, really wanted it. There were other high-profile jobs in the SEC, which if he wanted them, he could have had them. But no, so he waited for Oklahoma to come open. And it was not expected that Oklahoma would come open. But when Lincoln Riley stunned everybody and went to USC, so the job came open. So there is an expectation from Bob Stoops, from Joe Castiglione, the AD, uh, from everyone at Oklahoma, that Brent Venables is going to be there you know, for 15 years that you know, Oklahoma's had uh, great success and great fortune in terms of having quality coaches who stick around for a long time. Bob Stoops expected that of Lincoln Riley. That's why there was a sense of betrayal uh, in and around Oklahoma. So there is a sense that Brent Venables is going to be there for 15 years. And so to get back to the answer, I had to explain that backstory, but to get back to the answer, because Brent Venables is in place as a loyal Oklahoma man, the bitterness about Lincoln Riley, while not gone, it has certainly faded in intensity. And I think for that same reason, you're not going to see Oklahoma fans be all that bitter about Caleb Williams leaving. Now, they obviously would have preferred that he stayed, but there's no, there's no going to be no real bitterness. Like, and Caleb Williams 
unlike Lincoln Riley, he, you know, he wasn't going to be able to be at Oklahoma for 15 years, just a few. Uh, so the, and the fact that Oklahoma has Dylan Gabriel now who transferred from UCLA after transferring from UCF, um, the fact that Dylan Gabriel's there, the fact that Jackson Dart might go there, uh, though I know Ole Miss has also been in the conversation, uh, that's also going to reduce uh, the bitterness from the Oklahoma side. I think Oklahoma fans have, after getting venting the emotions out of their system for two months, they're ready to move on. They're ready to move forward. They like what they have uh, with Brent Venables and with their quarterback. Room. And in terms of USC fans, USC fans would have been very happy with Jackson Dart, but I think they like the upgrade to Caleb Williams. But they know that Jackson Dart always faced a tough choice, you know, if Caleb Williams was ever going to come to USC. Like, you know, they, they knew that, you know, okay, you, you want to go elsewhere to get playing time as an unquestioned QB1. Like, that. that is just a very natural thing. And obviously, since his offensive coordinator, Graham Harrell, was not going to stick around. That was never going to happen uh, in actuality. Um, th there's a total acceptance that Jackson Dart needs to look for what's best uh, in his career. So U USC fans and Oklahoma fans, I think they're both in their respective situations. They're good with this. They're cool that they've accepted uh, the larger situations in terms of these two transfer movements by each of these quarterbacks. Real quick, my next question, my follow-up on that would be, how much does what happened with Slovis affect all of this? If none of that happens, does any of this happen? Uh, you know, I mean, the fact that Keaton Slovis regressed in 2021, like that, that's a very big deal. And that's obviously a pretty central storyline at USC. And of course, the thing with Keaton Slovis's regression in 2021 is, you know, as, as, as disappointing as his season was, it also has to be said that USC's defense, you know, was regularly giving up over 40 points a game. So it's not as though Slovis, uh, as, as poorly as he played, it's not as though he was ever in a really good position on game days. I mean, the total operation at USC fell apart. And I think USC fans, while being somewhat disappointed in, in how Slovis played, they also realized that, you know, hey, he didn't have the defense. He didn't have the coaching. He didn't have the offensive line. He didn't have the running game. Uh, the, the USC program under Clay Helton did not put uh, Keaton Slovis in position to succeed. And, and so that larger reality of erosion under Clay Helton, that was going to lead to this kind of uh, upheaval and roster turnover no matter what. So I wanted to touch on that because you you spoke recently. Um, I, I forget if it was this week or last week uh, or a couple of weeks ago, uh, and especially on Trojans Wire uh, on the on the written uh, side. But you you spoke about how you can turn around a program now very fast in college football. So do you see a Caleb Williams? coming in and and being that big of an upgrade that of all the things that you just mentioned can overcome all the challenges you have a link you have the coach you have the quarterback can can, can this be a quick turnaround like right away i think the the quick turnaround applies to the extent that i think usc is going to be the pac-12 favorite when we get into late august early september 
and we're ready to make preseason predictions. I don't think we should assume the college football playoff, but I do think that USC is lifting itself with this Caleb Williams transfer news uh, past Utah to, to the number one spot in the Pac-12. I think it's USC one, Utah two, Oregon three in the Pac-12 pecking order. And I think Caleb Williams gives USC so much upside. And we have to realize that, you know, hey, Utah is a very, very good team. Like the Utes are doing great. They're going to be an extremely good team in 2022. They're going to win 10 games. But I think USC can go 11-1, and 12-1 and one, uh, be, because of what Caleb Williams brings to the table. And, and so, you know, we have to re- remember that the quarterback position was really bad in the Pac-12 this past year. Uh, so Caleb Williams, you know, is going to be so much better than anything Utah has seen, anything that any other Pac-12 team has seen over the past few years. Yes, I think this quarterback upgrade really does change the equation so that USC is going to be the favorite when we get to Labor Day weekend uh, of 2022. So as we sort of kind of wind this down, I I wanted to get an understanding from you because you've talked a lot about the college football playoff and you've talked a lot about expectation, that, that it is an expectation that the Pac-12 championship is always on the table for USC. And I agree with you on that. I, I, I think that it should be as well. But the Pac-12 in recent years has been close but no cigar. And so it, it, it's always been like knocking on the door, but no one answers. And, and so I wonder, is this a move that allows you to – not necessarily have the expectation, like you said, to to make uh, USC a national contender, but the probability of, okay, now it's time to start knocking on the door. Knocking on the door for sure. Like, I don't know if USC is going to get in in 2022, but you should, but USC should definitely be in the hunt in year one with Caleb Williams. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, when Winning the Pac-12 is the goal for 2022. I think we need to make that clear. Winning the Pac-12 is the goal. It's not winning the South. It's winning the whole conference. Lincoln Riley didn't come to Los Angeles to finish second place in his conference. That's, that's why he didn't want to coach in the SEC. He wanted to be number one. He won five straight, or excuse me, well, he, he won the Big 12 title as Bob Stoops' assistant in 2015 and 2016. Then he won four straight titles as the head coach before finally losing the big 12 this year. So six straight as a part of Oklahoma's staff, four straight as the head coach, he didn't come to USC to finish second. So win the pac 12 knock on the door of the playoff. That is the goal for USC in year one. Do you, so you, wow. So that's the goal in year one. So there, there's no, is there any room for error here? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, befuddled that you would say year one it's supposed I think to be well I think you know this is a Caleb Williams uh newsmaker podcast I think Caleb Williams certainly creates and solidifies that expectation um I think the room for error is simply that you know if you're not making the college football playoff that you're at least making the Rose Bowl as the Pac-12 champion like that is that is the standard USC has it's the standard of the Pete Carroll era and it, 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 it is already the standard of the Lincoln-Riley era, that if USC is 
making holiday bowls like that's a disgrace. I mean, I mean, we had under Clay Helton, there wasn't the expectation that the program would actually get the job done. But now that you have Lincoln Riley, now that you have Caleb Williams, yeah, it's back to Pete Carroll, or we could say it's Pete Carroll 2.0 now at USC. So we'll have a lot more on Caleb Williams in the coming weeks, Ian. And I know that we're going to flesh this out a little top of this big story. It's the one USC fans have been waiting for. So much more on this next week on the Trojans Wired podcast. Thank you.